I'm Caitlin. And I'm Shelby. And this is Finding Gavin's Voice. A disability advocacy podcast building community around open conversations. Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Shelby. And we are here today with our friend Tiffany. Hi. And Tiffany, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, I'm Tiffany. And I have twins. One of them is no longer here. Um, it's a tough subject sometimes. I don't talk about this much, so it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I got pregnant when I was 28, um, and I ended up in the emergency room because I was so sick, and they told me I had the flu. So then, okay, I have the flu, blah, blah, blah. A week later, I was still not any better. I was actually way worse. Went back to the emergency room, and I found out I was pregnant. That's why I was so sick. So we go to the doctors, you know, the um, OB doctor and all that. Um, Come to find out, I was pregnant with twins. They were a very rare type of twins called mono-mono twins for short. The full terminology is actually monoamniotic, monochorionic. So mono-mono, that's where mono-mono comes from. It's a very rare pregnancy. It's like a 1% chance of it happening. I don't really know how many like pregnancies happen like that throughout the year, but very rare. We knew that the girls were going to have birth defects just because of the type of pregnancy was. Um, they were in the same sack and they shared a placenta. So that's why it was a rare pregnancy. That's not supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> they had no room in there, no room to grow. So both girls were going to have birth defects. Um, come to find out, River, my survivor, uh, she was born with a cleft lip and microtia of the right ear. So what that means is her ear is folded. Mm-hmm. She's lacking the um, pinna, yeah. right? Yeah, to hold her ear up. So the upper part of your ear, it's just folded on river. Yeah, it's just underdeveloped basically. <laughs> she has no cartilage, bone, yeah. anything in that. That's why it's folded over. Um, with that though, the inner ear part is also it's affected. Um, she has a very, very, very tiny ear canal. Um, so much so that she doesn't have any um, hearing come in through the outer ear, I guess that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So she has no way of getting hearing through like we do. Um, so what she wears is a device called a Baja. And that is just short for a bone anchored hearing aid. It sits on a hard bone, and that's how she receives her sound. It just vibrations conduct through that way. Right. It's basically like <laughs> glasses for her ears. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know that probably sounds silly, but um, it's adorable. It sits on her head like a headband. <laughs> and Tiffany was telling me that she was going to let me try it the next time I saw River in person because a hearing person can put it on yes. and still hear mm-hmm. the effects of like what it does. Yes, it's, um, it's actually pretty cool. Just mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, this is how she hears. Yeah. And it's more mechanical. Uh-huh. Yes, because I'm sure that's what's affected Uh is that external ear and i'm assuming there's no vibration with her middle ear with her eardrum so this is just creating vibrations on that bone in order to transmit that sound into electrical energy which is how our brain receives sound so 
What's been the most helpful for you? Because like you said, this is a diagnosis mm-hmm. that kind of encompasses a lot. Yes. There's a lot going on there. Um, what has been the most helpful resource for you with River? So we have Sooner Start Services. Okay. Sooner Start is a service, an early intervention service that um, helps children with uh, disabilities, stuff like that. They have actually helped me get into a great ENT, an audiologist for River. Um, So I'm really happy with how they've helped me. Any questions I have with them, they're there for me. With Sooner Start, are you guys getting speech? Yes. OT? Yes. We were actually, um, we've done OT at Therapy Works in Tulsa along with speech uh, speech therapy. But River also does speech therapy with Sooner Start, so. Okay, so she kind of gets both. Well, that's yeah, good. Yeah. And I know she's about to start at Happy yes. Hands. So what will they provide for her? Aside from, like, the preschool, will she be, start learning sign yes. with? Okay. Yes, I'm so excited for that because they are, they do talk and sign for their kiddos, which I love that. Mm-hmm. That way River can learn, you know, another language. Yeah, it's immersion. Yes. And, yeah. And, um, but she's still also getting that talk. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the audi- she is yes, getting the, some auditory yeah. feedback. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that. I love that they do both. Yeah. So I'm really happy for that. I'm excited for that. And she'll get speech there as well. Yes, right. So now will. she'll be getting it in <laughs> yes. like all settings. Yes. So we, we're, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Like, and so now she's about to be three. Yes. So she'll finally be getting in. And so what was the waiting list journey like for happy hands? And it, have you been on the waiting list a bit? Or? I don't know if there was tech. I don't know if I would say it was a waiting list. Well, I guess it was a waiting list. I guess they were just waiting for the new semester to start. Okay. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. We've, I applied back in, I don't know. I don't know how many months ago I applied. It's been a few months. Mm-hmm. Maybe four. Okay. Maybe so about a semester yeah. probably of going through the yeah. paperwork, talking mm-hmm. with them. And the financial part I have, which we haven't done that yet, but yeah. And that's one of the things that I like about happy hands. I think when people in the community hear about happy hands, they think about kids who are deaf, mm-hmm. right? But what I love about it, it is that it's really for any kid that has some sort of communication yes. need. So, yeah. I mean, and that's very broad, right. you know, that could be just a kid that has a significant language delay or speech delay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, I believe, have some kids who are typically developing, too, and yeah, kind of act have, as some models in their classrooms, yeah. as language have, models. Yeah, they have CODA kids, and mm-hmm. I asked what CODA was when I called the other day about putting Gavin mm-hmm. in there, and those are kids of, um, or deaf children adults. of deaf adults. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they have so many other services about, t- you know, teaching parents how to sign. Yes, I was going to bring that up. They have a whole library for yeah. parents to just have access to all these literature for learning sign and all about that um also the kids with hearing disability like hearing you know disabilities um their siblings are able to go so i really like so much research shows too that siblings i mean they're learning best from each other Mm -hmm. so whatever mode of communication that's going to be most fitting for river or any gavin later on in life like This is how these kids are learning it. And so I'm loving hearing about the inclusion of all different 
types of students in places like Happy Hands and even the Little Lighthouse because they're all learning how to work in this cohesive environment together. And I love that because I think that's how we're going to help the next generation. You know, they're going to see these kids or adults later out in the community and they're going to it's not going to phase them that this Mm -hmm. person is different or that this person wears a Baja hearing aid. And that's what I love. I love that we're introducing it at such a young age now. We've talked about this before. You know, my hope is that my children go to school and public school and they never have to hear, you know, the R word used in a derogatory manner or they're having to go through that, which I think we experienced a lot mm-hmm. of in high school. And I'm sure you did too. Fun fact, we all went to high school together. <laughs> yeah, we did. And yes. so, you know, I, I mean, I think, thank goodness for social media because I feel like it's allowed us to make these connections yes. mm-hmm. and it's been kind of, I mean, just interesting to see these walks of life of people that were, we know, or we knew in high school and we're like, Oh, like that's really tough. But also that's helping me because Mm -hmm. we're on similar journeys. Shelby, I'm sure you've felt that way. That happened with Tiffany, Tiffany and I. So I, I don't remember if you announced your pregnancy Yeah. and then I messaged you and I was like, I haven't announced yet, but I'm pregnant too. It was one of the two, either Mm -hmm. she announced and I said (laughs) that, or I announced and she said that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But so we connected, right? Reconnected, um, like chatting privately Mm -hmm. when we found out we were pregnant. And then I remember you knew you were pregnant and then you went to the doctor and you messaged me and you were like, holy moly, Mm -hmm. there's two of them. Yeah. And then you went (laughs) to the MFM and found out more information and they prepared you for what your journey might look like with the girls and what kinds of things that you should prepare yourself for. And we talked a lot about that. And then what was River's um, gestation? What what were they born at? They were born early, right? Seven weeks. Oh, wow. Very early. River was two pounds. Lily was two pounds, one ounce. Okay. Wow. Which, I mean, I'm like, for that gestation, that's yeah. a good size. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, like when you think about like having a baby yeah. at that time, you're like you're just hoping. You're like you know because you want them to be just a little bit bigger. Yeah, trying to hold on to every hour, really, like just a little bit, so they're a little bit healthier. And so, I mean, that in itself, and I know that like that journey was probably oh, you know the hospital wild. stay and NICU <laughs> because feeding, which I really want to talk about this yeah. because. Feeding in the NICU, um, which speech path, sometimes I even see PTs in there um, helping with feeding. But in the NICU, a lot of times those babies that are born really early have a really hard time with feeding. Um, So what the speech path in that situation would do is we're we're talking about certain bottle positions or maybe a different type of bottle. But Mm. on top of Tiffany's babies being born really early, they also were, had their cleft lip and palate, right? Or just lip, just lip, just lip. Okay. So that's a whole other hurdle to tackle on top of the traditional, just, yeah. Cause they, they don't, they don't know how to feed 27 (laughs) weekers, you know? And so you have to overcome that hurdle, but on top of the cleft lip. So what did they do in the NICU for, to help with their feeding and help them try to gain weight. So we definitely had, um, I don't even know the official term for one of the lactation consultant. Yes. We had one of them come in, um, help us with that. Of course, with my pregnancy and the girls being as born as early as they were, the death of Lily, I just, my milk was just right. So, you tried so hard, though, and I, I commend you for I, that. I, I pumped and pumped and pumped. And I was able to, I mean, she, 
River, I luckily was able to get my colostrum, mm-hmm. yeah. the good stuff, you know. But then it just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't right. for us. So I never actually got to have her latch on, mm-hmm. which is fine. But we definitely tried different nipples uh, for different bottles, especially with that cleft lip. You know, you have to find the right one because the suction, she just... To get that seal yes. for a good suction, yeah. So... Dr. Brown was the one you settled on, right? Yes, that was oh, okay. the one, Dr. Dr. Brown. So. Which kind of sucks because, I, I, side note, <laughs> I hate Dr. Brown bottles. There's too many dang parts that you oh, have. Oh, yes. There are a lot of parts. I don't like them. Yes, yes. <laughs> but. But we finally found one that she was able to do, and she did great with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the first couple months she was fed through the tube. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. She was just too little. Yeah. yeah. How long were you in the NICU? Three months, 89 days, so. Okay. Gavin and River, actually, um, we've joked since we were pregnant that (laughs) the twins and Gavin were going to be best friends. Yes. And they were actually due a month after Gavin, Mm -hmm. but they were born two months before Gavin's due date, a month before (laughs) Gavin actually came. Yeah. uh, Because he came early too. Um, But River and Gavin actually spent four days in the NICU together. Oh. Yeah. Fun facts. (laughs) Tiffany actually saw my son before my parents did. Okay. Sorry, mom. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, I, they wheeled me from recovery through the NICU to see Gavin and I'm sitting there looking at my tiny little baby. Okay. Wait, he was not tiny. He was a little bit less than average, but compared to River, he was not tiny, but he, I'm, I'm just, you know, in awe of my child. And so wait, Tiffany. wait, was this the first like time yes. you were? Oh they just brought, yeah, they just brought me from recovery. I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. and I was like, I heard t- I heard Tiffany's voice, and I was like, holy guacamole, that's Tiffany. And then I was like, look, Tiffany, this is my baby. <laughs> I made that. Yes. And so my mom hadn't even seen Gavin yet, but Tiffany did. I love this. So it's taken me back to stories of, so my sister was born with spina bifida. Oh, so yeah. she spent a large chunk of the beginning of her life in the NICU in Did and out of the hospital. Know? Yes. Okay. Um, which that was what Jess was born years before me. 32 in, years ago? So Lily, yes. Lily, that was her. She's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. She had her spine is like so. You can see, yeah, you can see that pretty early on. And this was, which I don't know what your journey was when finding out those issues, but my mom's was they didn't know much about it or what they did know was which how they treated any difference at that age and that time in history was you need to get an abortion yeah you need to get an abortion that's kind of what they set her up for they're like this is going to be up to you this is going to be too difficult like you need to do this and my and again people make those choices based Mm -hmm. on their own whatever's going on in their lives at the time but my, I know my mom felt really isolated during that time in her life because she felt like there wasn't anything else. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until years later after Jessica was born where she found the little white house and mm. she had finally found some sense of support, but she was just so isolated with that diagnosis right. because they were like, you need to do this. You need to get an abortion. This Mm -hmm. is going to be too hard for Mm -hmm. your life. You know, kind of talking about all the negatives. So she didn't have, and she didn't know anyone else going through that. And but funny story, you guys talking about them being NICU friends, someone that was in the NICU. And I think, again, this is based on my mom's story. I can't remember if they were just a couple of days apart, but there was a little boy born with cerebral palsy and Jessica ended up being the NICU 
being in the NICU with him, they met, reconnected like three years later oh, wow. at the little lighthouse. Oh, and they that. were, they were NICU buddies and yeah. yeah and you know, throughout our, our lives, we'd run into them places mm-hmm. yeah. and I mean, they still had that connection. So, yeah. you know, I know in that moment of, you know, getting to the place where you can have your child and yeah. then it's like, Oh, you're coming, overcoming all these obstacles. Just the fact that you guys had that little connection there mm-hmm. and now have different journeys, but also similar journeys, yeah, yeah. I think is so important yeah. because you know, you did, I'm sure feel so isolated yeah, yeah. in your time of them absolutely. being like, okay, this is what's wrong and this is what to yeah, expect. Absolutely. And you know, we were told, um, we were asked if we wanted just because both girls had so much going on with them. And I was just like, Oh no, <laughs> yeah, no, we're just going to see it through. And I'm so thankful. Like, I, I mean, I don't know where I'd be without River. Like she's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you, you had the anticipated grief because you knew of the possibilities, but I think you knew early on that their lives were going to look different. Mm-hmm. But they were going to bless yours in ways that you were even yet to comprehend. And mm-hmm. we knew, I'm talking about this, like it's my story and it's not, <laughs> but we, we kind of walked through it together. Yes, like we were constantly talking. You were there for me. Like and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Typing. So when you, when you had the girls, we knew that, that Lily's um, birth defects were greater yes. than mm-hmm. anticipated. Yes. And we were all just uh, whatever we did. Right. We, I mean, um, we were praying, we were okay. sending good vibes. We were doing everything possible, wishing, you know, Lily the best. And mm-hmm. unfortunately she wasn't able to pull through those things, but River has, River has overcome so much and she is the most <laughs> joyful little one. I love her videos. She's just so sweet. She's a blast. Yeah. And she's overcome her cleft. The yes. challenge is so well. Her scars minimal. So the surgery was went fantastic. Yes. Yep. It was postponed once because of COVID, COVID. right? Yes. Yeah. And then, so when did they repair? Or did she, did she have to have a couple of surgeries? No. So just one surgery. Okay. Um, we might have a revision surgery later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Just because it's kind of fatty mm-hmm. on one side. Um, okay. But her surgeon says that it's easier to take away than to put back. Right. So that's why he left it kind of fatty. But I mean, she might not have to have a revision. It's totally up to her. It's more cosmetic than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So as long as it's not affecting her speech, which it's not, you know, as of right now, it's not. Right. Mm -hmm. So Um, she is, she is speech delayed. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. But can we talk about her deletion? Yes. Okay. Um, so she has a deletion in one of her X chromosomes. Okay. Um, We are, it's, it's like the the tail end of the X chromosome. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a geneticist. I don't know much about it, but they're not actually sure what that deletion consists of. It could be as little as her ear and lip. Right. Right. The deletion is, Mm -hmm. or it could be something major or not major, but like a a developmental disability. Mm -hmm. And it's just something we don't know. It's, I I don't know. I'm not a geneticist, but she seems just like a, your normal everyday. Mm -hmm. So we know that she has a speech delay, but Mm -hmm. how does she communicate primarily with you? Is it, does she verbalize? Verbal. uh, Has she she started to sign gestures? No signing yet. Well, no, a little bit. 
bit of signing. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit of signing. We're we're working on it, and I'm I'm working on it myself. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to communicate with her. Mm-hmm. Look into the Tulsa Deaf School. Mm-hmm. They do um, online classes. Oh, okay. Uh, they Great. release a video once a week. You can take a quiz and get a certification if you want to, oh. or you can just learn about it. And and they do. They start with the basics and go all the way up. And there's two semesters that are completely oh, wow. free. They ask for uh, a donation if you have it, but you don't have to if you don't, right. and mm-hmm. it's really helpful. I took one of them this last section, and um, I was thoroughly impressed. Like the deaf community, community in Tulsa, and I don't know how much like you've like dove into that yet. I, I really haven't. But so my background, I minored in deaf education at TU, and part of what we had to do for each class was really try to immerse ourselves in that community Mm. and so there's like deaf churches which are very interesting and I just love seeing how something that is so vocal and so music driven Mm -hmm. can be accommodated for people who are deaf because you think oh what is this going to be is it going to be quiet and someone's just signing the whole time but it's almost the opposite of that and it's just loud really and I and I loved it like it was one of the best experiences and then they have silent dinners and deaf coffees so i think they both go on once a month but they just meet up and i mean it's just again another support group for that community you know and they were so open to us they loved having students come so it's like you could show up and have no idea like about sign language or (laughs) even the basics and they would just they would take you in and i love that i i was i had no idea you know i had no idea that those things existed and so that's really something that, yeah, and it's yeah. something that this is why we're doing this podcast is because so many families mm-hmm. and like you, I'm sure, have felt isolated yes. at times and need these resources mm-hmm. in order to just feel like you have somebody to vent to or to ask questions yes. to. And have you found any good support groups or mom groups or anything? So I'm River just started at uh, Hearts for Hearing. Okay. Yeah. Tulsa. We were going to Oklahoma City for her audiologist. Yeah. It's a little bit of a drive for us. Yes. So. Cause I, is that where they started? Yes. And then they eventually got their Tulsa branch. Yes, okay. Exactly. So we were fortunate enough to mm-hmm. be able to get into the Tulsa office. So that's so good. Yes. You were having to go to Oklahoma City so frequently <laughs> for audiology, geneticist, mm-hmm. cleft team, everything. That was all in Oklahoma City. So yeah. we are happy that we are local now. <laughs> Um, so Hearts for Hearing actually has a parent support group on Facebook that I just recently joined like a week ago. So Mm -hmm. I haven't had to dive into it much, Mm -hmm. but I am excited for that. I think it'll be a great place for me to ask questions to parents that have kids with similar needs Mm -hmm. and I can give feedback, you know, if a parent has a question that I can answer, you know, so I'm, I'm excited for that, you know, and I haven't really got to dive into much of it, but... I am looking forward to it. Um, I believe you were in a group for parents of kids with all kinds of different clefts. Yes, a cleft support group. I am part of that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> me. You're welcome. I am a part of a cleft support group. Uh, and honestly, since joining that group, I have learned so much about different types of clefts. I mean, you and I, we've discussed like nasal clefts, right? Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. Clefts of the eye? Yeah. No, I had no idea. Have you ever right. seen a cleft of the eye? Yes. Oh, I, I, had, no, I had no clue. She told me, because yeah. I, I mean, I'd heard palate, mm-hmm. I'd heard lip. I feel like there's one other that's more common. 
that I can't think of right now. And then a combination of two. And yeah. then the combo. And then yeah. it can be unilateral. Yes. It can be bilateral. Yes. So you could have two. And then you were telling and me about one recently a, that it's like in the back. Yes. So it's a submucous cleft. Yes. And that's actually with that the muscles. Too. That's the muscles of the soft palate. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that kind of go undiagnosed for a while a lot yes. of times because you can't physically see them and it's right. not really until they start talking that yes. they're like oh like they sound a little bit nasally like what is yeah. going on and then you start looking at their soft palate or their velum moving and it's not sometimes there's even some discoloration their uvula in the back can be um split so you sometimes that'll be your like your giveaway but that doesn't happen all the times so i've seen it with several clients that were like oh yeah they are sounding nasally we look at their um soft palate and we're like yeah we need to go see an ent because something else is going on and i that was another one that i learned about I had no idea about that sub sub mucus palette. Mm-hmm. Sub mucus stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was another support group that I that I'm in. Um, These are great spaces that yes. you have available to you, and I'm going to encourage that you share our podcast in them. <laughs> I Shameless plug. I feel like no, I absolutely will. Um, I mean that's our mission. We want to connect with people that are experiencing all different sorts of challenges in this community because Gavin is likely on the spectrum. We're still waiting for the official diagnosis, but he, you know, is having communication issues and there's other, you know, factors at play here. And while River and Gavin have different challenges, we can still relate on the fact that our kids have them. Yes. Like they have challenges and that's a connection that's a little bit. And gosh, I just think it's, I think it's so important. It is. And, you know, building this community, I think that's some of our vision for this project in the future is to be able to create some of those face, even if it's just a Facebook support group for families, but just having a place where someone can ask a question and there's going to be no judgment and it's going to be two moms who have at least some sort of direction of, oh, where I should go with this, you know, whereas... you know, moms who don't have kids that have difficulties or they're not having to go to therapies or a bajillion doctor's appointments, they don't know. Like we said, we didn't even know some of these resources existed in Tulsa mm-hmm. because unless something's wrong, right? right? Yeah. Unless there's a red flag, you're not seeking that. Right. So sometimes just finding the right place to go can be yeah. so overwhelming and difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we want to put in place. We want to become a resource, a resource to learn about resources, <laughs> um, about things. Because, I mean, we're all local. And right now, um, all the interviews that our listeners have heard are from people who are local. So they're going to hear things like Happy Hands and Little Lighthouse mm-hmm. and Sooner Start. Mm-hmm. But all states and all major metro areas are going to have resources like that. And so we want to make sure that we can help point our listeners in the right direction, even if it ends up just being a list on our website. Yeah. So um, hopefully that's something that we can develop over time because that seems like a a daunting task (laughs) because there's so many, right? And I'll warn you, it's an emotional one. Okay. If I cry, it's all right. (laughs) Yeah, it is all right because this is a challenging journey but this is a question that I plan to ask all of all of our moms who mm-hmm. have kiddos with unique abilities mm-hmm. you find out you're pregnant and you look at your future you start seeing all of the the big milestones graduating from high school going to college getting married all of those big things <laughs> but then you learn that the future might not look like that for your little yeah. one and then you learn about the resources and the things that you can do to help them And so 
when I look at Gavin's future, I see the thing that's going to make my mom heart the most happy is that he finds success mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like for him. And also that he's not a jerk. Like those are, <laughs> I want him to be exactly. a good person and I want him to have a purpose. So can you tell me when you look at River's future, what, what do you see for her? What is your goal? Oh, gosh. I mean, the exact same thing you said. I want her, I want her to be successful and I want her to be kind. And I want her to be able to be a voice for those who have disabilities, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that's why our littles are going to be best friends <laughs> yeah. because we joked while we were pregnant when we learned that River had a cleft lip and you expressed concern that people were going to judge her because yeah. she was going to look different. Mm-hmm. And then more information about her ear came yeah. about and you still had that same concern. And I'm like, well, if Gavin's there with her, you don't have to worry <laughs> exactly. about it because he'll take care of it. Yeah. He's going to be her little protector. Mm-hmm. And at the time, of course, he was going to be Lily and River's <laughs> yeah. protector. But now I want to, I want to see the two of them communicate. Yes. With each other. Because I think I think they're going to hit it off. Due to COVID, <laughs> we haven't really got to spend no, a lot of time together. They've had one play date and they were like four months old. And so clearly, <laughs> clearly they just stared at each other the whole time. Right. Right. Self-suck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, River hadn't had her surgery yet either. And That's right. Yeah. No, I love that you brought that up because I think the advocacy part is mm-hmm. how we are going to change the stigma against people with disabilities. And I say people because all of these children that we talk about grow into adults. Yep. And it is a very underserved population. Mm-hmm. So even when I think of speech pathology, primarily pediatrics, and it's usually like, oh, I work with in the hospital mm-hmm. geriatrics, or I work in the nursing home, or I work in a clinic, but we're missing this huge range of adults with disabilities who could benefit from our services. And it's Mm -hmm. so unique. And although it looks different because I have some of those clients and what are we working on? We're working on functional language and they have a job coach. And so we're training them to be able to have that independence and that success as well as advocate for themselves because that's such a huge part of it too. It's like, yes, we want them to be, you know, voices for everyone else, but also themselves Mm -hmm. because you're going to do that for River and you're going to do that for Gavin every day for the rest of your life. But you want them to be able to do that also for themselves and you want them to, yes, because that's, that's how we're going to empower that community to change how, Everybody else views them, you know, and I would love nothing more than to see less of that awkwardness yes, yes. or less of the stares yeah. or mom, what's that? Or, and, I'm and so those happy. questions are typical, but you want them yes, to ask absolutely. them. Like, come, come up to and me. ask. Yeah. Yes. If you're curious, I will tell you anything you need to know. I love when a little kid comes up and says, what's that on your head? You know, yeah. I love that because yeah the sooner they know. Right, and what's their response? Oh, okay, uh-huh. and then they continue on exactly. talking to them like they're just a typical person because they are, yes. they're still a human being. And that's why I love, like I tell parents, yes, let your kids go up and ask questions uh-huh. to the person that you see in the store in a wheelchair yes. or walking with a cane, or maybe they have some other abnormality and they just look mm-hmm. different. Let them go ask those questions because they're gonna remember that moment. Yes. And then they're all, I mean, kids, they don't judge. And that's what I love about working with that population too, because they do, I mean, they voice their opinions, but also they're not going to not play with this kid because they're, right. they look different. They're just going to ask the questions and then they're just going to go about their day. Like, Oh, okay. No big deal. Yeah. 
you know, and I think, and I love that your kids get to grow up in that world because I think it is going to be a little bit easier in the sense that we're starting to have these conversations. Uh And even when we talked about special education and, you know, those kids aren't being isolated anymore into the hidden room in the back of the school where you never see them. Now we are pushing them into the classroom. So we're seeing them. That's becoming more of our everyday lives. And I think that was the right move because now we're going to be able to grow up in a world where we know about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've at least seen it, you know, maybe we don't know exactly what that is or, you know, we know all these diagnoses can be drastically different, but we're just going to be like, Oh, there's someone that looks a little bit different. Oh, well, and right. we just still talk to them. Yeah. You know what? So I, I just had this thought while you were saying all of that, but like, you know, how I said that they're like glasses for her ears. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about that is when somebody wears glasses, I mean, you know, their eyes don't work right, <laughs> but you don't, you're not, you're not like, why are you wearing those things on your face? Yeah. Why, mm-hmm. why do you have those? What, what is that? You, they, I mean, little kids will, and they don't know what they right. are. And then but they then learn. They and know then... it's so typical to see someone wearing glasses. Sure. It's not a big deal. That's what I want to see happen for these other devices. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, your legs don't work right. So you use a wheelchair. Your ear doesn't work right. So you wear a Baja device. Yeah. They're just glasses for those other parts. I, and I love that because it reminds me of a story with Zeke. He's my oldest and my sister's in a wheelchair. So he's grown up around differences and he's used to seeing that. But my sister's best friend is she has very, very limited verbal abilities as an adult. And she came over and she loves playing with my kids. And so Zeke was playing with her and he, he just asked me, he was like, Emily can't, she can't talk. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. She just says some words. And he's like, why? You know, cause they are curious and they should be and ask those questions. And I was like, that was a very good question. You know how aunt Jessica's legs don't work like mine do. It's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, her, her voice doesn't work the same way ours does. So she's going to play with you and she's going to interact with you in that way. And she's going to seem really happy to see you. And she's going to clap her hands and all those things. But that's her being excited for you and showing that she loves you. Right. And then he's like, oh, okay. And never asked another question about it. And now he just knows like, this is how she interacts with me. And I think, think about all of my friends I have who have children who are typically developing You know, that's my advice to you as a parent is, you know, please just let them encourage them to ask those Mm -hmm. questions and encourage them them. age appropriate answer. Kids are smart. They are so smart and they're so curious. They may not understand the intricacies of of why they're going to understand that, you know, it it doesn't it's not working correctly for her. And so she has this opportunity for it to work correctly. And I just think that. Parents don't underestimate what your kids can understand and what they can acknowledge. Just answer the questions in an age appropriate way. And if you can't answer the questions, just ask the parent of the child. And so please just it, let's end the stigma of not asking and just quietly whispering over in yes. the corner. See, I think that's where we're talking about generations changing because yeah. when we were kids, it was shh, don't say anything. Yes. Don't look and walk away. Yeah. Like I remember seeing that. I remember like the kids staring at my sister and the mom like hurry and like being like, oh, don't stare. And yeah. then they just walk Actually. away. And I'm like, no, like it's natural to be curious. Yeah. And that's the only way they're going to learn is to build those mm-hmm. interactions. Right. And you don't want to just hush them away because they're going to think some, that's when they think something's wrong. Yes, yes exactly. Mm-hmm. So don't hush them. Let them be curious. Let them ask the questions. And if they're nervous, yeah, like you said, model that for your mm-hmm. child, because that's how they're going to learn how to do that in an appropriate manner. Right. Yeah. Cause there's definitely a wrong and a right way to ask questions. <laughs> yes. Um, but then, you know, like I am so glad I think, I think to be a parent of a child with unique 
strengths and unique abilities. That's what we need to focus on, or the positives mm-hmm. that our kids experience. Now is the time where I think it's been the easiest. It's way easier now to be a parent of kids with unique abilities than it would have been 20, 30 years ago. 5,000%. And so little things, like uh, we, we drove by a park the other day and this typical child with who did not appear to have any physical disabilities walked up to get on the swing that's designed for kids with physical disabilities, the one that has the pull down so that, oh, yes. so that they can sit up. And yeah. I thought to myself, you know, if Gavin walked up to that swing, I would make sure that he would go swing in a different one because we need to leave these tools and things available to these kids. But what I loved was that it existed. That if you were, when you were a kid, um, we couldn't go to the park. Play on the park. No, the, the park. only time we got to play on a park was when we went to Disney World, which is more than accommodating for children with disabilities. Yeah. But that was which she got to go with Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, and that was the one time she got to play on the park. Yeah, and as a child, all, if you would have asked my sister every year around her birthday or Christmas, like what did she want? She just wanted to be able to do the things that I did. And I remember I'm getting emotional. I remember those stories. I remember her being like, well, I just want to play soccer like Caitlin does. I just want to be able to go swing like Caitlin does. And, but the, but the world is changing. And as much as like, I have those memories and it brings up some grief for me as a child, cause that's a lot to hear. Mm-hmm. And I was very aware. And so, you know, that was, I mean, just extremely hard for me to deal with. Like as a kid, I went through all those thoughts of like, mm-hmm. well, why, why does she have to have that disability and I get to live my life. And that's such a different way of looking it at is. it than anybody else would. Anybody else would be like, well, you know, my life works. That makes me so much greater than. Right. Now I go to parks and I see that and I'm like, wow, like we're doing it. Like mm-hmm. it's taken way too long. But the fact that my kids get to grow up in a different world and your kids get to grow up in a different world than what we saw. I, I just, I can't wait to see where this goes mm-hmm. and what it's like as you know, I would love to be able to like have this conversation again in like 10 years and be, just be able to be like, wow, like we're doing it and we're making a difference within our own community. I love it. And us parents are lucky to be able to find providers like you who are willing to be, because you are as much my child speech therapist (laughs) as you are my therapist. I, and I mean that. I really, really do. Poor his previous speech therapist. I am pretty sure that uh, I just drove her crazy on a regular basis. <laughs> she would come over and I'd be like, oh my gosh, an adult, let me talk to you. Let me tell you about all these things. And she's like, I'm here to teach your kid to talk. And I'm like, but wait, let me tell. I had to I'd start leaving the room because otherwise you wouldn't get anything done. But thank you so much for sharing your story. I know talking about Lily is hard. But, but I love it. I, I do. Talking about, yeah, talking about Lily, um, for me is, is a way of acknowledging that, mm-hmm. that River is, you know, she's a twinless twin yes. and. And that her life still had some purpose. Yeah. Like you, you know what I mean? And I think that's what I hear parent, grieving yeah. parents say a lot is like, they just want to know that their kid was remembered by someone yeah. or that people you know see her life as significant even if it was very very mm-hmm. short yeah. so the story i know is going to hit the right person right. and somebody is going to be so thankful that you shared that even those difficult parts because i know it's very isolating but there is someone else going through that probably Absolutely. right now and yeah. they just want to know that their child's remembered and had some sort yeah. of purpose yeah. and you know i'll never forget this story and i know shelby you'll always you guys are good friends yeah. and <laughs> 
that'll be something that you guys bring up because like you said, you just want people to acknowledge that it happened. You don't want people to just ignore yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be taboo. It and it doesn't need to be yeah. either. She was the by Riverside while River was developing. Mm-hmm. She they grew together. And even though at at one point that ended, they're still connected. Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're I, so I connected. 100% believe yeah. in that. So yeah. yeah. And I um Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very grateful that you came and spoke with us and, and opened up about it because, you know, it's not talked about. I had no idea what mono mono twins were until you got pregnant with them. Right. Like I'm learning stuff. Like that's why I love these conversations. So yeah. I'm learning so much and it's yeah. going to help everyone. Even if right. you're not in the same situation, I'm be like, right. Oh, I'm sure at some point I will meet somebody else going through that same mm-hmm. situation, you know? And I'll be like, yeah. I know someone that would be more than happy to talk yes. to you. And thank you so much for having me guys.